Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright. And I'm Vicar Hill. And today we're going to look at the readings for the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost. If you would like to listen to the readings for the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost, you can do that on the reading podcast that was dropped previous to this. Today we're going to concentrate on St. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, the gospel lesson. And it's a really simple event but there is a lot happening. We have Jesus. He's on his way to Jerusalem. This is right before the triumphal entry, and he has a crowd with him. And at this time, this is three years of ministry, and I think wherever he goes, there's a crowd. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he's famous or infamous. I don't know which word you want to use for that, but there's this blind man, and he's yelling. And he's yelling, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and called him, and heals him. Now, in the midst of this, the crowds, probably the disciples, try to stop the blind man. And Jesus says to the blind man, after all of this, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. And on the way would be all the way to the rest of the way to Jerusalem, to the triumphal entry. Now, this sounds like a miracle. Jesus healed the blind man. Why is there so much to talk about? Or is there anything to talk about? Or do we just say that Jesus was doing Jesus things and he healed people and he moved on to the triumphal entry? What you say? Well, it's one of those um, pieces of scripture that pretty much everybody knows about. Uh, yeah. It's very popular, very well known, which sometimes can make it very hard to preach on <laughs> Yes, <laughs> as the one in the pulpit because, okay, what do I say? Mm-hmm. that people haven't already heard. That's a good point. But sometimes you don't need to say anything new. You can just explore what's really there. Um, so I think one of the the pieces of this text that I really like is the fact, the context, that Jesus is now on his way to Jerusalem, and this blind man is calling out to him with a specific title, mm-hmm. Son of David. And you want to talk about a loaded term. I mean, this is... There's so much meaning packed behind this. This is the son of David that has been promised to the Jewish people, the people of Israel, for generations and generations and generations. And they have these preconceived notions of what the son of David is going to be. And here we have this man using this title, son of David, as Jesus, we know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) since we know the rest of the story here, is on his way Uh, going through what we know as Palm Sunday, Passion Week, and ending up on the cross. No, that's a huge confession. In fact, during the triumphal entry, we hear the crowds, and apparently this beggar, whose name is uh, Bartimaeus, 
he probably joined in. And we hear the, this confession, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is he, or blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. Mm-hmm. And again, as you brought out the connection to King David, and that through the line of David, the Messiah will be born. So this is a huge bomb that Bartimaeus is laying down. And I think it is very interesting that the crowds try to stop him. Mm -hmm. And he cries out, all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And so many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more. And I I think it's interesting. And and before we pushed record, I I was telling Vicar the whole idea of going to go see a concert or going to see a comedian or going to see somebody uh, who is real special. And you're excited to see them. And think of somebody in the crowd being disruptive, uh, not heckling, but calling out to the performer and just yelling. And, and so now you can't hear or you can't see, and it's just distracting. How annoyed would you be that somebody would do that? Would you go get the usher and say, hey, there's, some, there's a loud mouth, <laughs> go, go get rid of him? And I, I don't want to be too harsh on the crowds because what did they come to see? They came to see Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know why they came. Were they waiting for him to do something, say mm-hmm. something? Because, you know, he he's known to do some pretty interesting things. And this man is yelling out loud. And I, I like what the Greek says. Uh, the Greek really pushes that this crying out is not that he raised his voice, but that he was screaming. Mm-hmm. And this is a scream to be heard. So he's trying to be heard over all the crowd. He's trying to get Jesus' attention. But he really calls Jesus out. He doesn't just say, hey, Jesus, but calls him the son of David. And then tells him to do something. Have mercy upon me. And I really like this because it's the whole idea. Why has Jesus shown up? Not because he likes the food or anything like that but to bring the mercy of God to mm-hmm. the people. And this blind man gets it. And I think that's really neat. Yeah, I, I think what he's kind of doing here, uh, whether he knows it or not, using son of David, crying out for mercy, I, I kind of see it as he's cashing in on these long-awaited promises mm-hmm. that have been connected with this Messiah figure that they've been awaiting. Because this man is blind, which as we see elsewhere in the gospel, uh, I think it's John chapter 9, when uh, they encounter a blind man and the disciples ask Jesus, "Oh yeah, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So putting that in perspective, this blind man is like, you know, there's something wrong with him, mm-hmm. according to everyone's understanding, because he must have sinned to bring upon this blindness. So he's this blind beggar, that has nothing to his name except what people give him, completely reliant on everyone around him. And he's the one in desperation, crying out, shouting out to Jesus, the son of David, whom he has only heard reports of. Right. He's blind, so he can't see Jesus. He doesn't know what he looks like. His expectations might be a little different than some of the other people because he's just going off 
what he's heard about Jesus, what he's done in the upcoming weeks and months to him seeing Jesus in Jericho. So it kind of brings out this desperation mm-hmm. that this blind man is crying out to, to Jesus with, shouting to Jesus with. So I, I want to push back just a little bit. I really like the, the, the picture you painted. And um, what I don't want to do is have this man be desperate. This is my last hope, and nobody else has been able to do anything. I might as well try Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think you're going that way at all, because the confession he makes— Son of David. This isn't Jesus the miracle worker, Jesus the showmaker, you know, anything like that. He really hears who Jesus is. And I think that is fascinating because who taught him? Mm-hmm. And we don't know. And, and definitely the Holy Spirit is at work in this man, in the teachings that he's received. But he also trusts and crying out to him. This is. He is an outcast because of his blindness. He can't take care of himself. Now, this doesn't mean that blind people should be outcasted and and so on and so forth. But the whole idea that there's no way he can work for a living. There's no way that he can do things that everybody else just naturally takes for granted. He has to be led to go places, hopes he doesn't get trampled on, so on and so forth. And when he hears of this Jesus of Nazareth, he won't be quiet. And I'm very curious, and I don't know if we'll ever have an an answer to this. Does he call Jesus out, son of David, have mercy on me, with expectation of being healed, forgiven, or just connected to Christ? Hmm. And and, because nowhere do we have a real conversation happening with Bartimaeus and Jesus. I'm going to assume that he wants to be healed. He wants his sight returned, but I don't know if he expects it. Because I'm curious, as you painted really clear, if you're blind, if you're deaf, if you're mute, if you're a leper, if you're whatever, if you have some physical ailment, means God doesn't like you. And you're being punished for your sin, your parents' sin, or just sin in general. And this man has the guts to call Jesus, son of David, and then say, have mercy upon me, mm-hmm. and then scream it over everybody who's trying to shush him. Right. And this um, kind of the, the I don't know if crassness is the right word, but the, the guts of this man that you're talking about mm-hmm. might be the very reason why many rebuked him. Yeah. Who are you, a blind man, to oh, yeah. sit here and call out to Jesus Ask him to have mercy on you. Uh, obviously, we we know he has faith mm-hmm. because at the end of the the text here, your faith has made you well. Um, but it's kind of putting it in. Okay, this place, this man's place in this society. That's what it was. It wasn't very. He wasn't high up there. Nope. He was kind of the least of these. Uh, and we see his interaction with Jesus unfold here. Well, the other thing I like is he doesn't just call him out once, but this is multiple times, and the crowd shushes him. And Jesus walks by, or Mm -hmm. it sounds like Jesus walked by. And then we hear, and Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they call the blind man, saying to him, take heart, give up, he's calling you. Would you please be quiet? Jesus is, you have an audience, he's coming. And throwing off his cloak— 
He sprang up and came to Jesus. Now, you did a little research on this, and I I think this is really interesting. I didn't know this. Yeah, so the cloak uh, for a blind person, for a beggar, um, the cloak would have been the sense of the, the, the thing that provided warmth, of course, when it got chilly out or cold out. But they would also uh, fold up the cloak and place it in their lap. And that's where people would place their alms, their giving to the poor, this beggar. So it wasn't just a sense of warmth, <laughs> but it was also <laughs> the way in which they gathered their income. People would walk by and place their their gift to this beggar on top of the cloak. And so to see the bl- the bl- blind beggar, Bartimaeus, tongue twister, the blind beggar Bartimaeus, <laughs> to see him throw off his cloak, get up and run to Jesus. I mean, that right there yeah. is, a, is a demonstration of his faith in and of itself. I, I really like that because, again, he's been supported by the generosity of other people. And he casts that off. And I don't think this is willy-nilly. I don't think it's like, nope, I don't need any more. I think he really sees, pardon the pun, who is standing before him. And he runs to them. He understands that this is the restoration of life. And again, I don't know if he's expecting sight or he understands the promised Messiah in the fullness. My sins are forgiven forever will be granted to me because of this man and this work. And so he runs to him. And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And in that statement, I think it's interesting because it's a request. Mm-hmm. But is it, this is why I've been yelling at you, or have mercy upon me? And, and again, to play off that, have mercy upon me. Is that for sight, for forgiveness, for a restoration of life? I'm not sure, but he definitely does have this immediate request. And I like this because it's not out of the realm of possibility with Christ, But it also shows where this man's priorities are. And this is not a bad thing. This man needs sight to be restored to the community, restored Mm -hmm. to his family, to participate in the life that has been given to him. And, And I really like this idea that Jesus comes as the one to restore creation. He does this by dying on the cross, restoring the relationship, the broken relationship between God and man. But we also see it in simple acts. And I know miracles aren't simple. It's not like I walk around restoring people's eyesight. But something as simple as this, something to recover this man's sight. This is needed for this man to be, again, given back to his family. Life is truly restored Mm -hmm. and given. And and I love that imagery. And and before we uh, started recording, I I was asking Vicar if we could make the analogy that the blind man in his blindness actually saw Jesus for who he was. And because Jesus shows up, he reveals the light, and that is the actual sight to the man. I I, I don't know how far we can go with that. Well, I think there's something to it because I— the way I read this, Jesus kind of, um, as you mentioned earlier, he hears this man crying out mm-hmm. and he keeps walking and he hears this man cry out again and then he finally stops, calls him over. I think Jesus is using this man as a demonstration of faith 
to those in the crowd, mm-hmm. the disciples, because it shows that he was he was unwavering in his request for Jesus, kept crying out, cried out all the more. And so we see his faith being, I don't know if obnoxious is a good way to put it, but he, he's kind of making a, a show about it to where people are rebuking him and he doesn't care yeah. because he still cries out to Jesus. Um, and it's interesting that when Jesus calls him over, Jesus asks him a question, what do you want me to do for you? And then he, of course, asks to regain his sight. But it's interesting that now Jesus is willing to do something for this this outcast, blind beggar. And um, I I can't help but think about what happens before this text. Um, Right before this, earlier in Mark chapter 10, we have James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who have a request for Jesus. Can we sit at your right and left hands in the kingdom of God? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we have the disciples who are wanting things from Jesus that are more about uh, their status, their place, even though they're already in with Jesus. And here we have this beggar who's just given a, an, an option to be given something by Jesus and he asked for his sight. And so it's just an interesting contrast between this man and James and John, who are going out of their way to ask for a higher status in heaven. <laughs> you no, know, I, I really like that contrast. Uh, it also reminds me of uh, the persistent widow, mm-hmm. the, the constant praying, the constant crying out. And I, I liked what you said, you know, obnoxious. Don't be obnoxious. <laughs> but at the same time, we hear this blind baker, Bartimaeus, screaming. And I, I wanted to talk about the, the crowds and the disciples. They shushed him. They, they rebuked him. In this same chapter, we have parents bringing children to Jesus, and the disciples stop them, mm-hmm. and Jesus rebukes them. And why didn't the disciples learn <laughs> their lesson? And I think one of the reasons, and this is just me being a little petty, one of the reasons Jesus stops after the second or third time is to actually annoy the crowds hmm. and the disciples. And the whole idea, I'm going this way, and I, I like what you said, I'm unwavering, I'm not turning away from this, but I've come to restore, I've come to make right what is wrong by doing this. Why are you stopping him? <laughs> And I like that imagery. And I, again, I really like the contrast because the disciples, uh, James and John, they really do take Jesus at his word. Ask for anything in my name and I'll give it to you. Okay. I want the right and left hand. <laughs> hey, go big or go home there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you, you, you point out correctly, what is their motivation? This man is asking for the restoration of his life to participate. Mm-hmm. James and John want the special places in heaven. Right. And again, we have God's ear. God has promised. I mean, we hear it in the Psalms. He inclines his ear to our prayers. God's listening. What are we asking for? Stature, money, or the promise of salvation, the ability to participate in life, you know, whatever. I think this is a very humbling text. And Jesus, 
um, after he, his, sight's, his sight is restored, go your way, your faith has made you well. And I always like this text and this text, or that, that statement, but it also frustrates me because I always wonder and question myself, do I have enough faith? Mm-hmm. If there was something wrong with me and I approached Jesus, would he say, your faith has made you well? Or, well, keep trying. Maybe next time you'll, you'll, you'll really believe. You know, I, I don't know. But there's always that, that, that doubt and question and, and the audacity of this beggar to call out Jesus, call upon him, and even answer him, restore my sight. I, again, if Jesus showed up, I have no idea what I would say. I would like to just be coherent in whatever <laughs> I said, uh, but that's a huge statement. And with all of this, it really points to what we have in Christ. We have a God who is so close that he redeems and restores us. This is what happens in holy absolution. This is what happens in the Lord's Supper. This is what happens in baptism. And we need to hold on to those anchors because it does restore us to life with him lived out in our vocations, in our families, in our work. And so there's just so much to talk about in this. And I really do think just in this short time, we've only scratched the surface because we really haven't uh, gone into the application of what do we do with this? Outside of, well, have faith and, and live this out. You, you got any applications or, or, or summary statements? I think the good—I mean, I mean, what you're talking about here is kind of this persistence mm-hmm. in uh, your requests to God and, and the focus of requesting things that uh, <laughs> that really matter, um, right. not earthly riches or treasure or places in heaven. Mm-hmm. It, it's the things that you need for this body and this life— that will help you get to heaven, uh, I think is a pretty big thing to focus on here. Because like you touched on here, this blind man is now able with his sight uh, regained or given back to him or given to him for the first time. Now he can become a member of the community and actually uh, engage with people in a way that he hasn't before, um, take care of himself. He's not reliant on other people. Uh, So it just, I mean, literally changes his life. Um, and then I think with that, once you've been given a gift from God, in this man's case, his sight, it's it's not <laughs> you cannot waste the gift. Yeah. For instance, if this man is given his sight like he was, then he walks back over, picks up his cloak, sits back on the ground, folds it up, and waits for people to give him money. <laughs> yeah. That's not what you're supposed to do when God gives you a gift, right. when God restores you to new life. You go out and live in the in the joy that those gifts give you, in the joy that those gifts can give other people because you've been given a wonderful thing. Right. So that's that's one thing that I'm kind of thinking about uh, with this text and what does this really mean for us today? Mm. That's one avenue I, th- I think I like exploring there. Yeah, I, I really like it because, again, when we hear the words of absolution, your sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. You're restored to your community. You're restored to your relationship with God. Don't waste it by going back to your sin. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a hard, a hard statement. And that's the struggle that we will continue to go on with. Because I'm curious, how long did it take before this man started taking advantage of his sight? 
what you know and nobody knows but the whole idea that god has gifted you with your body and all that you have to serve your neighbor and to serve god thank you for listening to get right for sunday i know that your time is valuable and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.